Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. And you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right. It's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Ned O'Gorman will join us to discuss Lookout America. So stay tuned for all of this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And our world-famous question of the week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok's Science Show. Science Show. Well, the most important film studio in U.S. Cold War history is probably one you've never heard of. And joining us today to discuss this issue is Professor Ned O'Gorman. Professor O'Gorman is in the Department of Communication at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. He's the author of the new book, Look Out America, the secret Hollywood studio at the heart of the Cold War. And Professor O'Gorman, very pleased to have you today on the Grox Science Show. Oh, it's great to be on. Thank you so much, Charles. Uh, well, certainly a, a very fascinating topic here where you talk about the Secret Hollow Studio at the heart of the Cold War. Uh, I'm curious, how did you become interested in this topic and why did you decide to write the book? Yeah, well, in 2005, I was writing another book on President Eisenhower and the Eisenhower administration. And I was spending a lot of time at the Eisenhower Presidential Library looking at old archives. And I came across a memo that really caught me. It was describing how President Eisenhower had watched a film in the White House about uh, atomic test and how he was, metaphorically speaking, blown away by it and felt like every American should see this film. And so that got me really, really curious. And so in, in my evenings in the hotel after my days of, of archival research, I would spend time on the Internet trying to figure out what this film was and uh, who made it. And eventually I tracked it down and I saw that a group called Lookout Mountain Laboratory made the film. And, and so that got me started uh, on figuring out who Lookout Mountain was. And, and I quickly connected with my co-author on the book, Kevin Hamilton, who's also a professor here. And uh, we spent the next seven years researching this. What was Lookout Mountain Laboratory? Who started it? How, how did it come to be? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll try to I'll try to respond as briefly as possible. We have a whole book answering all those questions. But um, Lookout Mountain was started by the Air Force in 1948, and it was started specifically to document on film and in photographs a nuclear test that was going to happen in the Pacific called Operation Sandstone. And uh, and so they began really as a secretive Hollywood-based film studio meant to document atomic tests for the Department of Defense and for the Atomic Energy Commission. But they quickly earned a, uh, a great reputation and uh, were asked to do all kinds of different kinds of film work for all these various branches of the military as well as the Atomic Energy Commission and some civil defense work, et cetera, et cetera. So by the middle of the 1950s, they uh, have a staff of around 120 people there in their facility in Hollywood. About 80% of those are Hollywood veterans or civilians. About 20% are military personnel. And they're shooting something around 40 to 50 uh, full films a year. 
as well as um, compiling just hours and hours and hours of footage of various military activities, typically around new new weapons, new new technologies, etc. And you note that there were many Hollywood actors who were involved in this and, and, and personnel. Were they sworn to secrecy? How were they? <laughs> yeah. No, they were sworn to secrecy. So, I mean, we're talking people like Walt Disney, Jimmy Stewart, uh, John Ford produced a couple of films for them. Uh, Susan Hayward did some work for them. And there's a, a sort of iconic uh, uh, clip that Marilyn Monroe did for them. Yeah, and they were sworn to secrecy. That's kind of how it worked. And so it wasn't that... The studio itself was a, a total secret. Um, plenty of people in Hollywood knew that the Department of Defense had a film studio there in Hollywood, um, but uh, and and there's plenty of Hollywood people that went in and out of the doors of the studio, but they weren't talking about it uh, in public. Did studio itself draw from personnel that part of the armed forces, or how was this sort of staffed? Yeah, no, really. I mean, 80, like I said, um, 80% of, of staff was was civilian, and these were Hollywood veterans. So uh, the studio itself did little training. Um, they were they were hiring people that were really, really experienced and uh, really good at what they did. And that, that includes everything from animators to sound people to uh, editors to directors, etc. And so um, the military uh, personnel that were involved in these productions had two roles. Um, some of them were very uh, highly trained and experienced cameramen and photographic specialists, many of whom were, were uh, World War II veterans. Um, and then the others were really administrators. I mean, they were keeping the shop running and keeping things on schedule and making sure the funding was in, et cetera. The purpose largely training, or was part of this propaganda as well? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, they were they were sort of all over the map in the kinds of films that they made, um, but I think you could point to three general types. Um, one was yes, prop, what we would call propaganda. That was actually a relatively small percentage of what they did, but they did make films that were intended for the public to see, that were meant to convince the public that. Um, you know, the United States was the leading uh, technological force in the world and that the United States military uh, was fully in control of this new thing called uh, nuclear weapons. And so that was part of what they did. Um, but they also um, uh, made what were called film reports. And these played a really important role in the 1950s in, in government. Uh, there were many, many tests um, going on of various new aircraft, of missiles starting in the middle of the 1950s, and then, of course, of, of nuclear weapons. And often, um, officials in uh, positions of, of power and influence, whether they be in the Pentagon or in Congress or in the White House, before they would even get a kind of full uh, written report on these tests, they would get a film. And Lookout Mountain was the one uh, making these films, and these would be played for these officials. And so they were technically called film reports. They were also very persuasive. 
Uh, and so they were very much intended to keep uh, uh, the sort of military brass and uh, Congress on board with uh, with the Pentagon's efforts to develop these new dangerous weapons. So that was the second kind of category. And then the third was training films, as you described, training films for military personnel. And so are all these films, are, are they available for public viewing? Are some of them still classified? What does viewing them sort of tell us about the time in which they were made? Yeah, it's another good question. So we have been able uh, to verify um, around 800 films that we would describe as sort of fully produced films that Lookout Mountain made over its 20-year history. So that's a pace of about 40 a year. Most of those films um, are not in the public domain. Um, uh, they either are kept in a, a secure facility out in New Mexico, or they have been destroyed. And so um, as far as publicly available Lookout Mountain films, we have been able to compile uh, about 100 or 120, and they are available for viewing on our website that's a companion to the book. It's The website's, uh, the URL is lookoutamerica.org. And we've put up there over 100 films made by Lookout Mountain, as well as a lot of the archives and documents that we relied on in writing the book. Do some of the shooting scripts for those that were destroyed still uh, survive? You know, we have a few shooting scripts, um, <clears throat> but not much. We were not able to locate a lot of shooting scripts. Uh, so we really, um, a lot, this is, you know, part of the story we tell in the book is that uh, it's very strange. When, when Lookout Mountain was closed, 1968, 69, uh, the military seemed to have very little interest in preserving the archive, even though itself, Milkout Mountain itself, one of its roles was as a, an archive. It stored films and documents having to do with nuclear tests. And so, um, but, the, but it appears that the military um, destroyed a lot of what was there or send it to random places. And so we, we spent years trying to chase down various things. What happened when it was uh, closed? What happened to the personnel? How, how did the successor come about from it? Well, yeah, that's a great question. Um, so, so two things happened. Um, one is that the, as far as the Air Force's connection to Hollywood, uh, it really eroded, and it eroded in the 1960s, so sort of in the buildup to the closing of the facility. And there were a lot of reasons for that. Um, but certainly one of them was, uh, you know, Hollywood changed politically during the 1960s. And um, and the Air Force, whereas in the 1950s, the Air Force was, um, you know, accepted uh, and, and Hollywood. It was sort of part of, there was a general kind of Cold War consensus in Hollywood in the 1950s. In the 60s, especially around Vietnam, um, you know, the Air Force and, and other military units became very controversial in Hollywood. So, so things started to erode uh, for Lookout Mountain and its relationship with Hollywood in the 60s. The other, at the same time, Robert McNamara was the Secretary of Defense, and he really wanted to push for greater efficiency and more centralization in all aspects of the military. And so he argued, and you know, he didn't have to really argue. He man he mandated that 
um, uh, film units, various film units in uh, the various branches of of the military um, as much as possible be consolidated into centralized uh, units. And so uh, in the case of Lookout Mountain, it was it was folded into a bigger unit up at Norton Air Force Base. And there it completely lost its identity. Spent a lot of time, as you mentioned, researching this thing. What it was about the whole process of looking into this that surprised you? Any anything that you kind of wondered? Boy, how did this happen? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things that. Um, I mean, I have to say that you know the process of writing this book and researching this book was full of surprises. So um, it, it really is a remarkable story um, that surprises one um, regularly. Um, but I think that the two um, biggest things that uh, surprised me was, um, first of all, that so many of the images that I associate with the Cold War, be they, um, you know, nuclear tests, mushroom clouds, missile launches, uh, space monkeys, um, whatever it might be, um, uh, came out of the studio. And so it, it's a very interesting story about um, really the, like, like you know, in your introduction, it really was the most important film studio of the Cold War. And yet, you know, nobody knows about it. So that whole story and figuring out its story was, as I said, just full of surprises. Um, I think the second thing that... Um, I, I don't know if I would describe it as a surprise, but it was certainly a revelation was um, just how embedded the studio was in, in, uh, in the military's activities throughout the globe during the Cold War. So to try to tell the story of Lookout Mountain is really to tell the story of American mili military activities throughout the globe. Uh, during the Cold War from, you know, these early uh, new atomic tests in the Pacific to and through the Vietnam War. And so uh, it really is a Cold War story through and through. We were talking with Professor Ned O'Gorman, who together with Kevin Hamilton have written the new book, Lookout America, the secret Hollywood studio at the heart of the Cold War. And Professor O'Gorman, very pleased to have you today on the Grok Science Show. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much, Charles. And that's all for this week's edition of the Grok Science Show. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here, you can email us at science at groks.net. For Grok Science, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.groks.net. Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking. Bye.